Thunder Media. Today on Inside Supercars, we look at the Bathurst 1000 as we build up to the big race. On this show, we look at one of the institutions of the event, the Bathurst Hilton. Guest speakers from some of the drivers who come up and uh, do Q&A with us. Friday night, we've got our own Elvis Presley tribute artist uh, who uh, puts on a show. And then Saturday night, we're uh, sort of um, just preparing for the big race, uh, having watched the shootout. So uh, there's plenty to do, and um, we go home for the holiday. We step inside the Bathurst Hilton today on Inside Supercars with Dale Suttles. And it starts now. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Woodlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by a man who, in fact, this year knocks up his 52nd Bathurst trip, his 52nd trip to the mountain. Dale Sudholtz, welcome back to Inside Supercars. Well, thank you, uh, Tony, and uh, hello, Chris. Craig, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Now, you're, you're well known nowadays, of course, as being the originator of and the uh, man in charge of the Bathurst Hilton. You're back this year, having taken a sabbatical because of uh, COVID, but you're back with the Bathurst Hilton. Um, Long loved, long known, and uh, well covered by many people. Tell us a little bit about the history of uh, how you got to build the Bathurst Hilton and uh, what's involved in it. Well, um, back in 83, Ken Turner and I went up there with a couple of mates and uh, we set up a pretty um, pretty trick and facilities and TV. We had all sorts of mod cons for uh, 1983, actually. And... um, and we named it the Hilton because we thought, well, this is what people would do at the Bathurst Hilton if they had one. So we uh, we kept the namesake going along as a fun thing for many years. And each year it grew and grew with more people coming along. To um, In 2000, supercars changed the campsite arrangements in the paddock. Um, and because a few of us were being moved out of that area down the old, near the old King George Tavern. Now, there's a, a name from yesteryear that um, we were all in just immediately in that area. They uh, said, well, you can have any choice of that other side of the bitumen road, but you're going to have to move. So I took six sites along there, and uh, uh, and I've had them ever since. So uh, that um, suits us just fine. And um, we've uh, gone on and built the Hilton to a point where we have a local contracting firm put in a huge marquee 
the week before we rock up and then we spend several days decking it out with uh, uh, flooring and lighting and power and and cooking facilities, dining room and the uh, dress up that we do outside which is flags and um, bunting and this year we've got um, outdoor um, party lights and other signage that uh, are all got a flavour to do with uh, the mountain and of course we've got our neon sign across the front doorway that says the Bathurst Hilton and uh, that's uh, that's the point of entry into the marquee. And tell me what day do you do your set up in? Uh, we'll be in there 9 o'clock Sunday morning and it'll take us uh, well under control by Sunday night. Monday we'll be fine-tuning and other little bits and pieces. Um, we've got one of the guys who comes along who's actually a shop fitter by trade, works in the sign industry, and he just loves doodling away with something and making up new either street signs or highlighted signs or LED signs. And so we, we've, we've come of age. It looks pretty professional and uh, this guy, is uh, that's his job, so he doesn't know how to do it well. And um, uh, so he, he, he's got an eye to the, to the uh, uh, look of the place. We've got uh, actually a new uh, roll of red carpet this year, which will be... Uh, a little brighter than the previous, it was a bit faded, but um, and we've got uh, a major automotive uh, supply company come on board to supply um, a dress up material to uh, theme the Hilton this year. And we go uh, live, we'll launch that tomorrow on our um, Facebook group, the Bathurst Hilton, and um, that'll be a bit of a feather in our cap from. Uh, from that supplier because it'll uh, it'll come up pretty well. And how many people in total will be staying within the Hilton? Uh, there'll be 22 in the master bedroom. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we put down a, uh, a poly sheet on the floor that makes it waterproof and airtight and everything. So it's very comfortable in there and people bring their own fold-up bed or uh, an, an air bed or something like that. And um, you're only there to sleep. The amenities block's about 80 metres away cook breakfast and uh, and then you're off for the day because um, you know, you've got four days of action and that um, that's what we're there to do. But then um, each evening we've got uh, things planned for guest speakers from some of the drivers who come up and uh, do Q&A with us. Friday night we've got our own Elvis Presley tribute artist uh, who uh, puts on a show and then Saturday night we're uh, sort of um, just preparing for the big race, uh, having watched the shootout. So uh, there's plenty to do, and um, we go home for the holiday, I can tell you. There's a, it's a, it's a full-on enjoyment session up there. A week at the mountain in the Bathurst Hilton. How do you pace yourself almost, and how has it grown over the time? I imagine during race day and the shootout, that numbers are much, much higher. Uh, yeah, we... Um, we certainly all watch it on telly, mostly for the shootout Saturday evening. Um, that's a great, uh, great hour-long entertainment. You know who uh, who gets the pole. Uh, Sunday morning, I'm up at three and I'm gone. I, everybody else can feed themselves because it's. Uh, I go and find a particular spot that I uh, sit every year. Uh, I don't broadcast where it is because I want to. Uh, don't want anybody beating me to it. Uh, and um, and I sit there and, w- and and watch the whole race unfold and. Uh, 
big screen in front of me and um, uh, headset on to listen to the um, team's radios and the, uh, uh, what else is there, race control and uh, the live broadcast uh, commentary and live timing and that sort of thing. So I'm fairly well wired up for the day and that's uh, that's my, uh, my grand final. Your history, of course, to the mountain and all things to do with Australian Touring Car Championship date back to a, a time in the 70s when uh, Stillwell's, then Moffat's, um, a, a magic era in motorsports, uh, Dale. It was because fundamentally the cars people were racing were coming off the showroom, having a bit of black race tape put on the front uh, headlights, a bit of a roll bar, a Bond roll bar was the, was the in thing, and some stickers on the car, and you kind of went racing like that. That's... That was that era, and um, and the, the 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 crowd, the mechanics, the people, everybody could relate to the era. And in early seventies in Australia were baby boomers and rock and roll. It was great music. I mean, pizzas, KFC, all sorts of things were were making that era a great era. And, and motoring was one of the one of the great things that uh, they were locally made, locally built, and raced. And tracks there was plenty of tracks around and. Uh, and, and the crowds flocked to see them. It was just a great era. Of the times that you spent at the mountain, I mean, that, that time in 77 when you got, uh, as part of uh, Alan Moffat's crew, and a key part of that crew, uh, that one-two finish, uh, it's uh, pictures and memories that are very strong in many people's minds, but must be even more so yours. Well, uh, I wasn't actually with Alan at the... Bathurst race, I was with the touring car races early in the season, but I built a Falcon for Rusty French, which we ran at Bathurst in 77 and to see um, see uh, my fellow uh, workmates uh, the success that they had that day was just an outstanding moment and uh, I kind of felt uh, a little bit of connection because I did build Colin Bond's car chassis number two um, and sort of knew the nuts and bolts on those cars pretty well uh, so I kind of just um, you know, you know, nodded my head and thought, yep, uh, they're good cars and uh, good people who put them together and a well-run team with Carol Smith who uh, remained a long-time friend until he uh, passed in uh, early uh, 2004. And, of course, Carol Smith, so well-known for all the uh, books he wrote on the subject of race car preparation, uh, an amazing man uh, to obviously had there as somebody who you could learn from. He, he was. He, he just... Um, uh, the day he hired me, I said, well, I've got to go back to work and hand in notice. I'll be back in a week, so to speak. And he said, uh, by the way, he said, here's, a, here's my book, Prepare to Win. Uh, he said, you've got a week to read that uh, until you get back here because that will be your Bible. So, <laughs> I mean, it was just an outstanding um, uh, book of information. And he used to re- refer to it himself when he was going to you know, drill some holes and, and, and run some taps through them or something like that, that what drill size suited what tap and things like that, fundamental stuff that uh, uh, that he used on a daily basis himself and, and he'd prepared all of that because uh, if you're prepared to win, well, then you will win. And that was it was all done in the workshop and when we got to, uh, to a racetrack, well, then uh, you were there to race. You weren't there just to practice or muck around. You were there to, to race to win and... Um, and that um, uh, philosophy was um, every day. And then um, in the subsequent years, he actually, each time he produced a book, and he did, I think, about seven in the series, 
um, he used to autograph one and post it out to me. So uh, I've got a full collection of um, Carol Smith's autograph books from uh, all that era right through to uh, late 90s, I think, was the last book he put out. And um, uh, great, great material that just was ahead of its time. Uh, he was ahead of his time in managing the way a race team ran. He didn't want Annex, who had been in motorsport previously. He was quite happy to take on new dogs and teach new dogs new tricks and teach them his way. And if you did it the Carol Smith way, well, then he was um, he was always satisfied that was uh, the way to do things. And um, that went right throughout the team. And, of course, uh, you can't argue about the results that um, stood the test of time 45 years later. As part of your preparation, Dale, that uh, you did something that neither Craig nor I did, and that was head to Winton for the test day just recently. Yeah, went over there. And, um, of course, there was about, well, all the Victorian teams except for Erebus, who are still um, repairing. And I think think there's testing this week, actually, over there. Um, and, and, yes, it was a good day. It was actually beautiful weather, and uh, teams were out and about, and you could see that they were just settling co-drivers into uh, lap after lap without, you know, I had a stopwatch on some of them, and they weren't doing um, record times because I suppose most of them are old tyres, but they were just people getting used to uh, doing lap after lap, settling into routines, um, and then, of course, they would go in and uh, and do a major pit stop, and you could see them uh, uh, from the other side of the bank and uh, the viewing area where they were doing um, uh, brake uh, rotor changes, tyres, pads, uh, fuel, drivers, doing the whole gamut of a full pit stop under red-hot conditions, uh, race conditions sort of thing is uh, the car being hot, and then um, out they go and, you know, pump my pedal up to make sure you've got a good pedal and you're ready to go and then go and hit some laps and uh, the next driver gets into that routine. So it was, you could see that's what they were they were doing. And um, so it wasn't testing for speed so much. It was just uh, everybody getting comfortable with their cars and their pit stops. And were there any standouts that you could see? Was anyone sort of looking like they were doing quick time? Uh, no, not necessarily quick times, just a lot of times. A lot of laps, and I think for the five hours I was there, I only saw a couple of cars have a, a locker break or have a mishap sort of thing. So um, they were running about a second, a second and a half off usual times around Winton, and um, and that's fine. That's about where you where you get comfortable, and that would suit the tyres. And wouldn't you know you're only it's a long distance race, back there, so as much as it's a bit of a sprint race these days, and. Of course, uh, the old uh, saying is uh, you need to buy yourself a ticket to be on that last uh, last lap at 140 um, to uh, do the sprint to the flag. So, um, yes, that is true and that's what it is, but you've got to get there. And by getting there is, um, is getting your drivers comfortable and getting them into a comfortable routine. Now, Dale, whilst you achieved... Uh becoming a successful uh, spanner man, unlike my uh, co-host here, Tony Whitlock. How now do you go about getting your racing fix outside of the Bathurst Hilton? I go to a lot of the V8 rounds. I follow it very closely on on television and social media. I have an interest in the live timing and that component of the uh, the sport. I've got a program I use to which records and analyses the live timing so I can go back and look at uh, what strategies teams were employing, uh, why they pitted, what what 
degradation the tyres were, were were going through to, yes, so that's probably why he pitted on lap 30 and that kind of thing. So I, I enjoy the analysis side of it. Um, and uh, and it's, it's a, running at a high level with the engineers and mechanics and equipment and components on these cars. Like, uh, it's, uh, it, it's the best we've ever had. And I guess when you are the the best category in the country, you often can be labelled as you know, slow or boring or follow the leader or whatever. But, I mean, the people are watching it. It's what they go to see. And, and when the V8s come out to play on the, on a race day schedule, and it's when the most of the people are at the fence is when the V8s are on there. So, so uh, they're very good. So when you're analysing a race, how often is it a case that at the time you're scratching your head thinking why'd they make that decision and when you you go back and look at the data it becomes apparent why yeah, they does, made yeah. that yeah exactly they uh, um some smart people in pit lane you know to make a call and uh, they've got to do it on their feet there's nothing there's no spreadsheet that says lap it uh, pit at lap 31 um, if a safety car comes up at lap 25 you're a plan that you went with at the start of the race gets thrown out and you're, uh, you've got to think on your feet. And the guys that can think well on their feet seem to be the top teams, top engineers, Triple Eight, for example, uh, for many years seem to have a depth of, um, of um, strategy within their mind that they can adapt the moment there's a problem or there's a safety car or there's an incident or there's, there's something or it might just simply rain and... Uh, and suddenly, you know, when do we change from a dry to a wet and that time kind of thing. So um, if it was that simple, they'd all be on the front row. But uh, there's some seriously clever people in those pit lanes and, uh, uh, you know, you've got to tip your hat to them because they're, uh, they're very good. Dale, like me, you've seen three different, or well, I think it's three different pit buildings in your time there, or, or range of pit buildings, shall I say. Um, when the new... Uh, building was put up and it's a fantastic facility and uh, uh, the Thunderbirds are go towers and all those sort of things. Um, the, the one thing I felt that it did lose was that individual character of what Bathurst was, the time when uh, Brock and Johnson had their own garages as such. Um, do you think it lost something then or just do you think it's, it's a much better facility now? Oh, look, it's a very professional sport and uh, you, you, the facilities need to go along with that. There's some valuable equipment there that needs to be managed and secured. Um, I think what they've got is world-class, there's no doubt, that um, the days of where those whole pit building that had um, uh, tin roof was all open and uh, just had those uh, timber boards where the were a bit of a workbench segregation of each bay and uh, it was open at the back. I mean... Uh, it's what we had at the time, and we lived with that. So it's like we all lived with what we had 50 years ago, um, and we've evolved from there. And I remember in, in 1977, um, Alan Moffat, through his sponsorship with Con uh, Consolidated Pneumatic, CP Tools, their air division provided a large trailer-type compressor that was mounted down one end, and it ran all day, and they ran a pipe right through the pit all the pit uh, boxes to give everybody an air supply so they could run air jacks and rattle guns and that sort of thing. And uh, and that Alan Alan was at the forefront of having that done. He said, if we're going to have air in our, our uh, pit bays, we should have it there for everybody. And so um, 
uh, CP tools provided all that. In fact, they had two two uh, air uh, compressors on trailers there, in course, in case one uh, one failed, because uh, they needed to have uh, an absolutely guaranteed reliable supply to the day, because uh, that's what the teams were um, were banking on. So, so the pit buildings have certainly grown from that. Um, yes, the other buildings that they had, and I think some of them were even supplied by uh, um, you know True Blue Steel and some of those other sponsors that were in the, in the year and around the sport at the time, um, um, you know, Hardy products, building products and those sorts of things. Great era. But to somebody who goes along to Bathurst today, they wouldn't know all of those previous pit buildings or what it was like. They can they get blown away by what we've got today and what we've got is world-class. Dale, I know that uh, you enjoyed very much watching the final Adelaide 500 up in the grandstand there. Are you going to make it to the return? Uh, very much so. Caravan Park was booked uh, back before the, the date was actually publicly announced. We just took a punt on the, on the, on the timing. And, uh, yes, we've got grandstand seats back pretty much in the area where we were. And uh, that's all locked in. Yep, absolutely. So uh, looking forward to that. And I think that'll be... Uh, it was it was one of those tracks that had some character. They came around past you was a uh, often enough you know the lap times are only a minute ten or something from memory. So you got to see see them regularly, and uh, and the pit stops were in front of you, and and it was one of those tracks that there always seemed to be a bit of drama with it, whether it's somebody unfortunately hitting a wall or spinning or something like that. There was it had had real character about it, and. Uh, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I went every, every one of those clipsals and uh, loved every minute of it. And how important is it to the championship to have Adelaide and then get Newcastle back again in your mind? And, and also you're getting a lot of feedback through the uh, Bathurst Hilton Facebook page and the like. Yeah, because look, some of our people are, will follow the V8s at some distance. Not all of them. Uh, probably Bathurst might be their only... Uh, race they go to each year but they they follow it and they're interested in it and their families and what have you are interested in it and you know if John's sitting down to watch the, the race on Saturday or Sunday and that sort of thing um, the family's involved because you know John's watching what's going on so uh, you know I get that feedback that people enjoy it and um, are very passionate the way they follow it whether it be blue or red teams um, that's changed significantly over the last five to ten years with drivers swapping around sponsorships and that sort of thing. Um, so you, you know, it, it's it's pretty uh, at a pretty good level, I reckon, these days. And certainly, Clipsal pulling the one. Well, I should keep calling it Clipsal because I did for twenty years. Um, the Adelaide Five Hundred in December will be a great send off to our current series of cars, Gen Two, and Newcastle which I thought that was a great circuit and great... Um, uh, it captured people's imagination. People were there, excited to be there. Uh, good preset, easy access to get to. Uh, the water in the background, the ships going past and all of that adds to the character of a of a, uh, of a track. And um, and so for the Gen 3 to be launched at Newcastle next year, well, then um, uh, I'll be first in the gate. Wonderful to hear, and I hope that I'll uh, be near nearby you at the time, Dale. Um, one last question for this show pre-Bathurst uh, forecast is to give your tip on who you think will win. We don't need to hear exactly 
um, the car, but maybe the team, maybe a one, two, three, if you want? Uh, over the years, I, I could, I've never been able to pick a winner. That's just something that's, uh, um, I remember that what people used to ask, Bart coming at only about the Melbourne Cup uh, for, a, for a tip, and he would always used to say, be kind to your mother. <laughs> All right, well, on the words that uh, Bart would say, and also that I'll add my cup and worth, and that is a good horse is never a bad colour. Um, thank you very much for joining us and giving us your thoughts, Dale Sarholz, on Bathurst, and we look forward to catching up with you anytime soon. Good. Thanks, Tony, and thanks, Sir Craig. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.